Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. It is Saturday the 10th of December. It's Human Rights Day um, or International Human Rights Day. Good morning, I'm Giselle Hanna and I'm taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. In the second part of the show, we've got a, a long interview, an extended interview with Dian Trisnanti. She is a garment industry unionist work, um, organiser uh, and she produces a women's radio program in Indonesia. And we're talking to her about the new criminal laws um, or the reform of the criminal code in Indonesia, which, as many of you will have uh, noticed or read about, um, criminalises sex before marriage, it criminalises a raft of things, including communism once again. So uh, we'll be um, listening to an extended interview about that in the second part of the show. But of course, first up, news from around the region. We're going to start in Iran, where a three-day strike in Iran um, has was the result of the first protester being executed. Um, protesters in Iran called for a three-day strike this week with stores closing across the country, especially in the major cities of Tehran, Isfahan, Shiraz, Mashhad and Tabriz. Despite the heavy presence of riot police and threats to arrest anyone encouraging the strike, at least a third of the Grand Bazaar of Tehran, the economic heart of the country, was closed on Monday. The strike coincided with an attempt by the judiciary at spreading disinformation with the Attorney-General making ambiguous claims that the morality police, the target of the protests after young woman Mahsa Amini died in their custody in September, um, ambiguous claims that the morality police might be disbanded, a claim later denied by the police. Later in the week, a 23-year-old man from Tehran, Mohsen Shikari, became the first protester known to be executed. Shikari had been accused of Moharabe, which is enmity against God, for allegedly blocking a road in protest in Tehran and assaulting paramilitary security forces. Moving now to South Korea, uh, where President um, issues return to work orders. Over the past 10 days, President Yoon of South Korea has issued return to work orders against two groups of striking truckers in what is a clear indication of his wish to em- implement new pro-management labour laws. Cement truckers stopped work on the 24th of November to protest the government's refusal to make the safe rates model permanent across the industry – and were ordered back to work on the 29th of November. On the 8th of December, the same order was levelled at truckers in the petrochemical and steel transportation sectors. The return to work orders carry hefty fines of $34,000 or cancellation of licence and three years jail if workers refuse. The union responded that these orders are unconstitutional and that even under the military regime, no such actions had taken place.
A similar strike was called off in June, as reported on Asia-Pacific Currents, when the government agreed to negotiate on the demand of safe rates. And our last story for today is that the International Federation of Journalists calls on Qatar to stop obstructing journalists. The IFJ have called upon the Qatari government to cease the harassment by security authorities of journalists reporting on the 2022 FIFA World Cup. A pattern has emerged over the tournament with security forces disrupting live broadcasts in public areas where the journalists are accredited to film, only to be followed up later with an apology. Other journalists have been forced by security to delete photographs. They've been temporarily detained or threatened over the phone. The Qatari authorities have been particularly targeting journalists that appear to be covering LGBTIQ issues, with one Brazilian journalist having his phone seized by security after they mistook a flag in his possession of the Brazilian state of Pernambuco for the rainbow pride flag. As we've been reporting throughout 2022, press freedom has come increasingly under attack, which will also be part of our feature story today on the changes to the criminal code in Indonesia. It's five minutes past nine o'clock. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm going to go to a very short announcement and then our feature story. Wildlife Victoria is a non-profit emergency response service committed to assisting wildlife in need across Victoria. Our trained and dedicated volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned animals so they can be released back to their native habitat. If you see wildlife that may need our help, please contact us on 8400 7300. To donate or register to become a volunteer, hop onto our website at wildlifevictoria.org.au. A 3CR supporter. As I mentioned before, our feature interview for today is Deantris Nanti. She's a um, trade union leader in Indonesia in the garment industry, speaking about the new criminal code. My name is Deantri Nanti. I'm the chairperson of Indonesian Human Rights Union Federation and also the coordinator of Martina FM. Uh, it's a community media focused on women rights, women workers' rights. Indonesia has overhauled its criminal code for the first time in 75 years. What's this about? Why have they done that? Uh, the government uh, said that uh, it's to decolonialize the criminal law before because uh, it's, uh, it's very colonial, colonialism. Very colonialism. Uh, that's what they said. But actually, the content of the revised uh, criminal law uh, is uh, very dangerous for the people, uh, for the movement, uh, especially for women, uh, workers, and all people. So that uh, we campaign that everyone uh, can be criminalized uh, with this law. Yeah, it's very wide reaching. We'll go into some of the detail in a minute. But most of the discussions that took place in relation to changes to the law actually happened in secret, even though there was a lot of opposition to it. And Joko Widodo, when he was becoming president of the country, campaigned supposedly on the basis of openness and transparency and basically saying that he wasn't a military dictator like his opponent was. 
fill us in on how we got to this place where there is such repression and secrecy, the opposite of what Joko Widodo campaigned on. Yes, uh, of course, uh, in his time, uh, in his period, Jokowi as president, uh, is very far away uh, from his promise uh, in his campaign uh, when he uh, was selected as president uh, from first period and also second period. Uh, we can we can remember how uh, he regulate how he released the 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 policy. Uh, for example, uh, the policy for wages, uh, which which is a very uh, poor for workers, like the government regulation of number seventy eight uh, in twenty fifteen also omnibus law, and the last uh, is the criminal law. All of them are not transparent. All of them are, uh, all of them were, were made by the business, the businessmen. So, Joko Widodo and also the companies and the businessmen uh, hand in hand together uh, to release or publish the law, uh, which which are uh, fairly dangerous for the people, uh, it uh, from it's very disadvantage for the poor and also for women and minorities uh, such as LGBT uh, and also another minority group uh, like uh, like domestic workers and uh, informal workers. Uh, uh, peasants, uh, and many and other groups, minorities groups. Uh, so uh, we are not involved. We were not. We were not involved uh, in the process of the legalization of the law. Not only criminal law, but also another policy. Well, let's look at some of the um, specific aspects of the the new criminal law. One of the aspects that has of the changes that has gotten a lot of attention is the criminalization of sex outside of marriage, which attracts a penalty of one year in jail. Who is this law designed to punish? And what is this law supposedly addressing in Indonesian society? What happened to cause them to penalize this? Uh, yes, uh, I see this, uh, this chapter, it's a 172 chapter that regulates uh, the, the sex out of marriage. Uh, I think it affects uh, women in specific uh, because uh, women's bodies uh, become the target uh, to uh, regulate and to punish uh, as the source of immorality in the society. Uh, in the past, uh, they the government uh, legalized the law, pornography law. So this uh, criminal law, uh, this chapter, uh, strengthens uh, the pornography law. So uh, it's like a, a targeted 
women's body as the source of the sin, uh, immorality, and it limits um, the expression of women's uh, women's body. And for specifically for minority group like LGBT, uh, we we know that uh, LGBT as the minority group uh, cannot express their gender expression, their social orientation, uh, sexual orientation, and uh, sometimes uh, they decide to uh, live together because they cannot get married. And this law uh, affects uh, the LGBT uh, more and criminalize them. So it's very, uh, it's also very uh, dangerous for vulnerable groups, uh, specifically for LGBT, and also the poor. Uh, because uh, a lot of the poor in Indonesia, they didn't have uh, any uh, card, identity, identity card, national identity card, uh, because they cannot access the identity card. And uh, they cannot get married uh, because uh, they are very poor. Uh, they cannot access the the marriage certificate, and uh, that's why uh, until now uh, the policy or the event of like a massal or public uh, marriage for for public, uh, a lot of old people, old couples. Uh, can uh, to register uh, their marriage because they live together without marriage certificate, not because they uh, didn't want to, but they cannot access. LGBT too, they want to get married, but they cannot access because the country or the state uh, do not permit them or do not recognize them as couples. Well, that you raised some issues I didn't even think about in relation to the criminalisation of sex outside of marriage. I mean, we didn't even talk about sex workers, um, but, you know, that was criminalised before anyway. Um, Just in terms of the LGBTIQ community, I mean, even though there are the moralistic and religious um, disagreements with LGBTIQ, my understanding is that Indonesia has in fact um, had some cultural acceptance of the transgender communities. Is this true or is that a misperception on my on my part? Uh, yes, of course we have a history of cultural acceptance of transgender people. Uh, for example, uh, in some uh, region like Bali and also Ponorogo in Java and uh, some parts in Indonesia. But uh, dancers or as traditional uh, traditional events, but when transgender uh, come up or speak up about their identity, like they they want to uh, they demand uh, for the recognition of their identity. Uh, the society and also the state uh, cannot accept it. It's like a they deny uh, their existence and uh, they are afraid of, such a afraid of the existence of LGBT. So it's like a homophobic uh, culture in Indonesia. Uh, I think it also exists uh, 
uh, in the past, uh, including in New Order era and also uh, now, uh, in after New Order, the reformasi, Reformation uh, era. Uh, and uh, the government uh, used uh, the homophobic uh, culture in, in Indonesia uh, to uh, to make it like a campaign uh, to uh, like uh, create the enemy, the common enemy in the society, uh, LGBT, communism. So it's like they create the fear, uh, the fear uh, in the society that uh, the common enemy is LGBT, communism, and also anarcho sometimes uh, in Indonesia uh, to like. Uh, uh, so like a create uh, the opinion in the society that the problem is uh, LGBT communism, not the state itself or not the government itself uh, who create the poverty uh, and also the oppression in Indonesia. And it um, it always happens uh, near the election, the election moment. Oh, there's you're in an election period now. Yes, uh, in 2024, right? Uh, there is uh, elect there will be election. Political situation before the election, the government uh, will like uh, spread the issue of fear of LGBT communism and also uh, anarchism uh, to create the common enemy among society. So it's like a uh, divide the society uh, to create the horizontal conflict in the society. Well, a less spoken about change that the law brings about is something you just mentioned, which is the recriminalisation of communists. To some extent, no surprises, but also a very alarming development. What can you say about this? Yes, of course, it's a very alarming development because after uh, Reformation or after the falling of Suharto, we have a democracy space uh, to discuss about death capital. Uh, Marxist uh, in university and also in public discussion and start to started to uh, screening the movie about uh, the related topic. If specifically, uh, especially uh, we have like a, a court, international court in Netherlands uh, for about the murder of 1965. It's uh, the progressive movement, I think, after the after Suharto regime fall, and uh, this is like in the context, uh, the context time uh, for the government to uh, attack uh, the de the democracy, uh, democracy group, democratic group, uh, uh, by using uh, narrative, yeah the old narrative uh, for against communism. So they use uh, the old narrative to attack democratic groups uh, and targeted the democratic group uh, not to speak up. And then they will like uh, accuse uh, someone or some group as communist, then can arrest them and or criminalize, uh, criminalize them. And then we'll just look at one more aspect of the law. Insulting the president is also now illegal. Do you think this will be used to punish journalists and activists? Yes, of course. Uh, because uh, 
we we have uh, we we when we have too much question, uh, when we express our opinion uh, in social media, uh, we criticize uh, Joko Widodo as president, and it's uh, our right as the civil society. Uh, when 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 we uh, criticize and the government uh, will uh, be easily will be very easy to punish us uh, using this criminal law and it will limit the freedom the freedom expression uh, to criticize the government. And what about the journalists? I think it's also uh very dangerous for the journalists because uh, the journalists will be very very uh will be very uh careful in uh in report uh the news and also write the news uh, about uh government and it's like a deny the the dirty the dirty of uh, journalism uh, that has to provide uh, the news, uh, which is uh, good for the democracy and become the pillar of democracy. So the country itself uh, deny uh, deny itself as the democracy country. So Indonesia is not democracy country, but it's uh, like a uh, power, uh, it's a power country, an abuse of power. Yes, absolutely. And also about hoax, about hoax. Uh, the government uh, in saving a law, uh, it also stated that uh, will that the government will punish uh, everyone who spread hoax, but not the the political elite or or the government itself who spread also hope. For example, uh, in pandemic situation, uh, a lot of uh, some of the ministry of Jokowi, Jokowi uh, spread the hope about uh, pandemic, about the pandemic, about the medicine of medicine of COVID. Uh, for example, that the specific uh, wood can cure the pandemic. And some ministry that uh, that said because COVID is not uh, is not dangerous and many things. Uh, government itself is also the one who spread the hoax, but it will not punish the the government. It will punish only uh, the people, the citizens. Yeah. Do these changes signify a rapid right wing? pivot for Indonesia or is this something that has been slowly changing or, or are we just wrong? Has Indonesia always been this repressive? Yes, yes. Uh, for example, in 2019, some people died uh, because of the resistance of criminal law decision in 2019. In Jakarta, Bandung, Jakarta, in Jakarta, in Jakarta uh, three people die. In Bandung, uh, also uh, five or two. Uh, I will send you the, the data about how many people died in demonstration in 2019. It's, it's, it's very racist. 
uh, in 2015, when uh, the workers have had demonstration uh, to refuse the law of wage, uh, 26 uh, workers' activists was also arrested and criminalized uh, by the government. It, it was repressive, but also at the same time, uh, it moderates, uh, it, it killed uh, the movement. So it's like the movement uh, be, was dropped uh, because of the repression. And we realize about it uh, because our movement uh, less organized. It's very spontaneous. It's big mobilization in 2019 and spontaneous. So we try now to be more organized. Well, speaking of being organised, are activists organising and campaigning against these laws? And what does the resistance look like, given you described the um, repression and consequences and murder of activists for opposing the um, industrial relations, the labour laws? What, what uh, I mean, what is happening in resisting this new criminal code? Okay, uh, since uh, 5th of December uh, 2022, uh, we had demonstration in front of the Indonesian representative house uh, until now. Uh, maybe it will be continued until uh, 10th of December. Uh, it's Human Rights uh, Day. Uh, maybe also we will keep continue uh, our consolidation. Uh, because we realize uh, that now it's time uh, for us to consolidation and strengthen our movement. Uh, in this in, in this not good situation, uh, because like uh, uh, there are a lot of union investing, uh, limited democracy, and now we have a uh, criminal law. Uh, but we have no choice uh, but uh, resist the. Situation, the well, Dion, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today. Was there anything you wanted to add? Uh, I think uh, we, we are not in good situation uh, in, in global level, especially in uh, Asia. In Asia countries, we know uh, we know that uh, Myanmar uh, now uh, ruled by military regime, and also in Philippines, uh, the family of Dr. Marcos Dr. come back, and in Sri Lanka, uh, the military uh, also uh, have a cope. Uh, I think. Because of this situation, we need a global solidarity and global movement. Uh, because we have the same problem in the time of crisis. So, yeah, it's time now for us to have uh, a consolidation in international level. Uh, to resist the war, we know, we know that uh, Russia and Ukraine also in war now, and uh, except that the and in Asia, uh, we have a, a bad condition in democracy, uh, so we cannot delay uh, 
and the united in global so let's just uh, keep the solid the international solidarity If you're a charity or community group looking for office space or a co-working space, Ross House has rooms of different sizes available, from 15 metres squared to 100 metres squared, at affordable prices. Many charity groups already call Ross House home, so if you're interested in joining a vibrant community or working towards social justice and environmental sustainability, please visit rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650 Ross House is a 3CR supporter. Well, that brings us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. That interview was Dian Trisnanti, a trade unionist in Indonesia, speaking about the new criminal code or the overhaul of the criminal code in that country and all of the repressive um, uh, provisions of that law. This is the penultimate show for Asia Pacific Currents. So next week is our last show just for the year, not forever. Um, So tune in next week. We're going to have the whole team here uh, and we're going to wrap up the year. We'll do a year in review. But stay tuned for Palestine Remembered, which is coming up next.